Recession and inflation are here. Gas, housing, and everyday goods are up, way up. And you want to be ready for any situation. So what would you do if there's no food on the shelf? Arc Heirloom Seeds are here to help. Did you know 99% of seeds sold today can't reproduce? With Heirloom Seeds, you only have to plant once. Then you can grow year after year, giving you and your family stability and security because things are getting crazy out there. Our all-in-one seed kit provides everything you need to grow your own food. This premium seed kit has over 65 varieties, 50,000 seeds in stores for 15 years. You'll also get our exclusive seed guide to make growing a no-brainer. Arc Seed Kits is a family-owned and operated business and the most trusted name in the nation for over 15 years. Our mandate is to get heirloom seeds into every home in America. Go to arcseedkits.com today and get free shipping by entering promo code podcast. That's ARKseedkits.com, promo code podcast. Get your seeds, get prepared, get growing. Arcseedkits.com. Today is August 3rd, 2022, and our first story. Russia has vowed to fight for China if war between the U.S. and China erupts over Taiwan, sparking fears of World War III. China has announced it plans to fire missiles over Taiwan for the first time ever as they do live fire drills surrounding the island. Yeah, war may be coming or maybe it's all bluster. In our next story, Carrie Lake declares victory. Now, the media says it's premature because it still is a bit too close to call, but it is looking good. So we'll see how that plays out. And in our last story, a pro-life activist was attacked in Kansas where something strange is happening. A red state voted to protect abortion in their latest election. Could this be the start of a bleeding Kansas? If you like the show, give us a good review and leave us five stars. Now, let's get into that first story. Russia vows to fight for China if it goes to war with Taiwan, sparking World War Three fears. And this is how it starts. You don't you don't see it coming. You don't suspect it. We see war on one front. We say it's limited war in Eastern Europe. There's a potential for conflict with Taiwan and China, but we don't think it escalates. And then Russia says we need help in Ukraine. China says we need help in Taiwan. You get a military alliance. You get conflict in multiple theaters. One by one, nations get drawn in and then fire Z missiles because there are even fears that nuclear war could erupt. A Putin ally saying, yeah, if it comes down to it, they're going to nuke London. No joke. They actually said, now, I don't know this, how much of this is official. A lot of it could be bluster. But man, things are getting crazy. The big news today, I mean, outside of the fact that Russia's like, yo, we're going to be we're going to be joining China if a war breaks out. China says they're going to be launching missiles over Taiwan. They've also planned to encircle the island nation because of Pelosi's visit. And we've got reports that 27 Chinese warplanes have already violated the Taiwanese air defense zone. So bring on World War Three, I guess. Part of me wants to say it'll never happen. But as I often reference with the Civil War, Fort Sumter, when people sat atop the hillside thinking no war would ever break out, so they had a picnic. Don't be so naive. This is legitimately worrying. This is exactly how you get the dramatic escalation. Now, it could be. Nancy Pelosi is safe. She'll return. China will be mad. But this does heat things up in a rather serious way. It could be worse. 
we could be we could be staring down a Franz Ferdinand type situation. Nancy Pelosi, a high ranking official in the United States, goes and visits Taiwan. And one person does something against her in some way that just triggers diplomatic collapse. You'll get U.S. military action immediately. They'll go in and say, we're going to get this guy. China says, no way. It's our citizen. They say, don't you touch him. And then pew, pew, pew. We've already got fighting in Ukraine. Russia already believes that they're at war with NATO. So when they talk about a fear of World War Three and Chinese warplanes are entering Taiwanese air defense zone with Nancy Pelosi on site, it's like, uh, yo, we're getting dangerously close to some real conflict. Now, the funny thing about all of this, is I, I just I got to include it. Nancy Pelosi suggests her gender is why China is so angry. Yeah, this is the problem with wokeness. These vapid, narcissistic psychopaths like Nancy Pelosi are like, they're only doing this because I'm a woman. Dude, they think Taiwan is theirs. This is nothing to do with gender. Knock it off. I'm not going to sit here and pretend Nancy Pelosi came out and screamed. I'm woman. Hear me roar. She was just like, I didn't see China doing this when the men showed up. Yo, that's not why they're doing it. Okay, they're doing it because we are dangerously close to some serious conflict. And this is the leadership we get. Rob Reiner's got a tweet I'll pull up in a minute where he's like, Joe Biden has done a tremendous job this first first year in, in office. And it's like, dude, no, no. I mean, if his goal is to destroy this country, sure, you can call it a good job. But it's absolutely amazing. This is where we're at. You got Pope Francis saying World War Three's already started. You've got Vladimir Putin, his allies, his media propagandists saying that we're at war with NATO and threatening to nuke London. Well, life's not boring, I guess, but I hope you're taking all of this seriously. And I hope nothing happens. I hope it's all bluster. Seriously, I do. But you know what, man? Weak men make hard times. And that seems to be what we are about to encounter. Before we get started, head over to TimCast.com and become a member to help support our work and to get access to exclusive, uncensored TimCast After Hour segments Monday through Thursday. We have our guests on the show on TimCast IRL, and then afterwards we have the not-so-family-friendly version of the show. Last night's was really graphic. I mean, I got to give you a warning because this is not for the faint of heart. We were talking about monkeypox and stuff like that. So, But we also have new shows coming up. The uh, Cast Castle reboot uh, introductory promo show is, might, might actually be like 40 minutes. is coming up soon. And Tales from the Inverted World episode five just came out. We've got more and more shows coming to TimCast.com. Big marketing pushes. We are going to make a legitimate top tier streaming service for all of you to challenge those in the culture war to uh, instill the ideas of individualism and freedom with your support. We will make that happen. So smash that like button, subscribe to this channel, share this video right now, share the show anywhere you can if you really want to help. Paste it, post it, whatever. Let's read that first story from the mirror. They say a top Russian senator has pledged his country's support if Russia goes to war over Taiwan, sparking fears of a massive escalation and World War III. Vladimir, I'm not going to pronounce this right, Jabarov, Jabarov, says he sees no grounds to refuse to help China as tensions in the region have risen after the visit of U.S. Speaker Nancy Pelosi. In his role as first deputy chairman of the International Committee in Russia's Federation Council, he said he hopes to help, he hopes help for China 
would be a two-way movement as Russia continues its war in Ukraine. It means that we should have some benefits from this cooperation. I am convinced that in this case, China hopes for a certain assistance from Russia. My understanding is that China is producing drones for Russia. And they're going to need and want that. Alluding to the possibility of a Chinese confrontation with the U.S., the Putin ally insisted China was behaving in a restrained manner and that he is convinced it will be difficult for them to go toe to toe with the U.S. without support from Russia. Tensions over Taiwan have risen in recent days, and reports show that live fire drills by the Chinese military were taking place a mere 12 nautical miles from the disputed island. That is to say, China has surrounded Taiwan and are firing live rounds. This is getting serious. The big news now, we may actually see this escalation. China signals plan to launch missiles over Taiwan in a dramatic, troubling escalation. They've never done something like this before. Firing missiles over Taiwan? Dark days indeed, my friends. USnews.com reports, China signaled on Wednesday it plans to dramatically escalate military provocations aimed at Taiwan to include flying missiles over it for the first time. A clear sign that House Speaker Nancy Pelosi's departure from visiting the island nation marks not the end of a burgeoning standoff with the U.S., but rather the beginning of one. The English language Global Times news outlet, which is aligned with the Chinese Communist Party, included in a post early Wednesday that conventional missiles are expected to fly over the island of Taiwan for the first time in response to the California Democrats day long stopover to meet with local officials, which Beijing considers a clear break from standing policy governing the island over which it claims dominion. Other posts have indicated China's military operations serve as a rehearsal for the forced reunification of the mainland and Taiwan, which Beijing considers nothing more than a renegade province. Quote, it is both unprecedented and highly provocative. Taylor Fravel, an expert on Chinese military decision making and a professor at MIT says of the proposed missile launches. He adds, it is clearly designed to intimidate the people of Taiwan and underscore the threat of Chinese missiles to the island. I think, based on Joe Biden, he's, he's set to uh, sign a bill funding chip manufacturing. They think Taiwan's going to fall. Will the U.S. intervene or will they let it? Considering the moves they're making now, the U.S. may believe that Taiwan is going to fall soon. To avoid World War III, will the U.S. back down? and let China take the island nation. While the Global Times is not a direct mouthpiece for the Chinese government, current and former U.S. officials and analysts believe the content the outlet produces aligns with the party's intentions and that it frequently publishes what party officials choose not to say publicly themselves. To put it simply, you do not in China come out and speak unless the CCP knows and approves. Did you know Fast Growing Trees is the biggest online nursery in the U.S. with more than 10,000 different kinds of plants and over 2 million happy customers in the U.S.? They have everything you could possibly want, like fruit trees, palm trees, evergreens, houseplants, and so much more. Whatever you're interested in, they have it for you. Find the perfect fit for your climate and space. Fast Growing Trees makes it easy to order online, and your plants are shipped directly to your door in one to two days. And along with their 30-day Alive and Thrive guarantee, they offer free plant consultation forever. This spring, they have the best deals online. 
up to half off on select plants and other deals. And listeners to our show get an additional 15% off their first purchase when using the code POOL at checkout. That's an additional 15% off at fastgrowingtrees.com using the code POOL at checkout. Fastgrowingtrees.com, code POOL. Offer is valid for a limited time. Terms and conditions may apply. Analysts consider the latest moves a marked escalation over the kind of military exercises that usually accompany a perceived slight against Beijing. Its Eastern Theater Command has indicated its plans. It plans the closure of an area east of Taiwan to be used for conventional firepower missile tests, which could mean the use of ballistic missiles. Depending on the location of the launches, the missiles could fly over Taiwan. Now, Taiwan's officially the Republic of China. It's the original China government. They fled when the communists started taking over. White House officials have indicated in recent days that the response to Pelosi's visit, both in advance of her arrival and after she touched down aboard a U.S. military aircraft on Tuesday, had at the time aligned with normal escalations. National Security Council spokesman John Kirby told reporters moments after Pelosi's arrival that what we've seen thus far is consistent with the playbook that we expected from China, we expected China to run. And we'll just keep watching. And officials in Beijing have stated clearly they will continue to respond forcefully to Pelosi's visit. If military, its military announced earlier this week that it will begin maritime drills on Thursday in zones encircling Taiwan that come far closer to the island's shores than prior displays. Some of the zones in which it says it will operate come within 10 nautical miles of the Chinese mainland. Now, my understanding is that would be violating international norms. China keeps claiming Taiwan is China. Technically, that's true. I mean, Taiwan is China, but the CCP is not the legitimate government, although they've been in power for some time. Taiwan's Ministry of National Defense also announced early Wednesday an incursion by three Chinese military aircraft in the, in the Taiwan Strait across the median line, a division bifurcating the waterway known as the Davis Line that Chinese aircraft have crossed with increasing regularity in the last two decades. Well, my friends, we have an update on that story. The Daily Mail reporting 27 Chinese warplanes enter Taiwan's air defense as Taipei says it won't shy away from a fight. President Xi sends forces to surround island as part of his plan to secure his unification legacy. Dozens of Chinese warplanes entered Taiwan's air defense zone shortly after Nancy Pelosi flew out of the country following a diplomatic visit. This goes to show China is not satisfied with their displays during her visit. I think their goal now is to make a, send a strong message to effectively punish Taiwan to make sure they know they're doubling down. I think we're dangerous, dangerously close to China moving in. I think that's why Pelosi went in. Taipei's generals have defied the threats, saying today that they are not looking for a fight with China, but they won't shy away from one either. We are resolved to uphold our sovereignty, liberty and democracy. They said in a statement posted alongside a video of fighter jets, submarines, attack helicopters and warships on maneuvers. We fear no threat or challenges. We are not eager for a fight, nor will we shy away from one. We have the capacity and the will to uphold our valued liberty and democracy and maintain our region's stability. Xi Jinping has reacted furiously to Pelosi's visit, the most senior U.S. politician to go to Taiwan in the last 25 years, which comes weeks before he is due to assume his historic third term as China's leader at the party Congress. 
Matthew Henderson, associate fellow at the Council on Geostrategy, told Mail Online. She has made so-called reunification with Taiwan his chosen cause and hoped for legacy and hoped for legacy as China's greatest leader since Mao. It would be as well to assume that in the run up to the party Congress, when he intends to secure permanent autocracy, she will be willing to take significantly greater risks than Chinese governments in the past. Now, it was reported in these stories that China is planning to encircle the nation. They're planning four days of military drills in areas encircling Taiwan. Do you think Taiwan cares what they call it? Do you think the U.S. is so stupid that they're going to be like just a drill? Nah, this is not how things work. You got you to gotta cut through the noise and you need to understand what's really being said. When Russia goes to war in Ukraine and the U.S. provides intelligence, firepower and weapons, do you think Russia simply says, wow, Russia's so strong? No, Russian propagandists, and I'm sure Russian officials, they have already stated. I should say, I'm assuming Russian officials have stated this. Russian propagandists have already said this is NATO. This is World War Three. They don't think they're at war with Ukraine. They know NATO is funding, supplying, and there are even NATO citizens on the ground with these countries being like, we didn't send them. They're volunteering. Yeah. Privateers, as it were. During the olden days, the old colonial era, this is what would happen. A privateer, a corsair, would attack a French ship. And, and the British would be like, don't look at us. It's just a private ship. We can't control them. Except they often carries, carried letters of mark. So if they were ever stopped by the crown, by the British, they'd say official duty. We have a letter of mark allowing us to attack French supply lines. How's that for warfare? You think that's not happening today? No, the reality is China and Russia are simply holding back. Russia knows who they're really fighting against. And if they wanted an escalation of war, they would have it. They would make it happen. Now, here's the funny stuff here. Nancy Pelosi hints her gender is behind China's rage. Oh, man. Quote, they made a big fuss because I'm the speaker, I guess. I don't know if that was a reason or an excuse. She said during a news conference with the Taiwanese president. Because they didn't say anything when the men came. Forgive me for doing my impersonation of Nancy Pelosi. She said they made a big fuss because I'm the speaker, I guess. I don't know if that was a reason or excuse because they didn't say anything when the men came. Okay, dude, that makes me want to barf in my mouth a little bit. This is such a, a trope. Uh, uh, when a feminist does something and then says the real reason they're mad is because I'm a feminist. It's like, dude, get over yourself. Sometimes people, regardless of if they're men or women, do bad things. They didn't do this when the men came. You're a high ranking official, dude. And they're escalating tensions. Can we please get better leadership? I love this from Spectator World. Is Nancy Pelosi about to cause World War Three? Ah, yes. Uh, yeah, maybe, uh, you know. West could trigger nuclear war over Ukraine, Russia says at UN. August 2nd. With Russia announcing... They're going to be joining China should conflict erupt. The reason we're so close to conflict isn't all Nancy Pelosi, but she certainly made things worse. I can respect going to China and saying you do not dictate how we travel. Strong America is a good America. But 
I don't like abuse of power, failed foreign policy. And I don't know how necessary it is to be like, we're going to do it. It's like, okay, I get it. If I'm going to go to an event and then you threaten me, I'm not going to let you force me out. But sometimes you ask yourself, like, do I need to be there? Like, why should someone go into the center of an Antifa rally? Do you really need to be there? Now, look, we can send undercover people and things like that, but you choose your battles. That being said, the reason why I, res- why I can respect the trip is, you know, if someone decides I'm going to go stand here, free country, I'll do what I want. It's like, I get it. You're making a stand. You're saying outright, I'm not going to let you tell me where I get to stand. So I get it. Newsweek reports, Putin ally announces first city Russia will strike if World War Three starts. Oh, boy. This one's from just over a month ago, month and a half ago or so. A lawmaker in Russia has become the latest guest on Kremlin-backed television to warn of a missile strike on a European capital, naming the city that he believes should be Moscow's first target. What do you think it is? What's the first city that comes to mind? I didn't get it. He raised the prospect of invading the Baltic in his strategy, which included reverting the Lithuanian capital uh, Vilnius back to its former identity as Vilno and Estonian capital Tallinn back to its Saras identity as Raval. Both Estonia and Lithuania are NATO countries and any invasion by Russia would trigger Article 5, potentially causing a third world war. Anton Gerashenko tweeted, London is first to be hit if World War Three starts, says Andrei Gurilov, Putin's close political ally. But what about the families of Russian politicians and oligarchs who live in London? He says we'll destroy the entire group of enemy space satellites during the first air operation. No one will care if they are American or British. We would see them all as NATO. Mitigate the entire system of anti-missile defense. And that we certainly won't start from Warsaw, Paris, or Berlin. The first to be hit will be London. Without a doubt, the threat to the world comes from the Anglo-Saxons. Woo! Things are getting spicy, man. And this was over a month ago. Well, let's turn to good old Pope Francis to see what he has to say. He says, World War III has been declared. Okay. That was a, that was a month and a half ago, a little bit more than that. So the Pope said, what? Did he really say this? This is amazing. Quote, World War III has been declared, Pope Francis said in a wide-ranging conversation with the editors of European Jesuit Publications on May 19th. So this is, this is three months ago, or two and a half months ago, the Pope said, World War III. Oh, man. You know, I worry about this stuff. I do. It's one of the reasons I don't want to live in cities. It's not just civil war. It is everything falling apart. It is global conflict. It is Nancy Pelosi. It is nuclear missiles. Where, where, where we are right now, we are fortunately just outside of the blast radius of the largest ICBMs. We might be okay. The problem is Mount Weather is very close. It's hard to know what they'll hit. I do believe that the United States has the capability to defend against nuclear weapons. We can see THAAD and the Iron Dome system. There's a sight to behold, I'll tell you. Ever watch the Iron Dome? Missiles, you see them get fired straight over from from Gaza into Israel. And then all of a sudden you see spiraling missiles tracking and then blowing up the rockets in midair over over Israel, over Tel Aviv. Crazy stuff. I remember when the news first came out that that the I believe it's the Al-Qassam brigades that um, that uh, Palestine, Gaza or whatever you want to call it, 
they had access to missiles that could now reach Tel Aviv. This was like a decade ago. And it's a scary thought. I was talking to someone I, I knew who was in Tel Aviv and they said a rocket had just exploded over their home. The Iron Dome can't stop everything, but I believe the U.S. has something comparable to this. Why wouldn't they? They need to be able to take out nukes before they can hit the ground. Well, they don't blow up on the ground. They're air bursts. The way a nuclear weapon will go off is that at a certain point above the target, it detonates so that you get more pressure just hitting everything else. It's crazy. It wouldn't work. A gr ground burst isn't as effective. Air burst is how they do it. Boom, over the city, and then it just waves and just hits everything. If Mount Weather were hit by the largest nuke, we're in trouble. Mount Weather is supposedly where uh, they have emergency bunkers and stuff like that, but I really doubt it. There's no way they're going to be like, that's where our emergency bunker is. So they can be targeting it. Yeah, but they might hit it. It's like, why not? Maybe it is. It's probably, probably an old uh, you know, emergency bunker. They probably don't use it anymore. I imagine they have to update it. Well, fear not, my friends. I have good news. Spoonbender. Yuri Geller says he'll use mind power to stop nuclear war. Whew. I was getting worried there for a minute. But then when you get the uh, Yuri Geller guy, the spoonbending feller, saying he's going to use his mind powers to stop nuclear war. Well, rest easy, my friends. That means we're safe. Okay, hopefully that gave you a laugh before we move into the next one. Here's a tweet. Rob Reiner said it before. I'll say it again. Joe Biden has accomplished more in his first two years than any president in the last 60. We all need to shout this from the rooftops. Well, it's been a year and a half, but OK. I said if his goal is effing the country up, then I agree. Seriously, we are we are facing World War Two. I'm sorry, World War Three and Civil War. At the same time, gas prices are through the roof. Inflation is in, a, is, is in a major crisis. The economy is in a recession. They're changing definitions. Great accomplishments, Biden. CNET reports. Biden set to sign law to pump $53 billion into U.S. chip manufacturing. The boost for U.S. chip making is part of the broader $280 billion Chips and Science Act. Fear of Chinese manufacturing power, part of the impetus. This says right here, this breaking news from today. I think, they're, they, I think they know. China is going to take Taiwan and it is going to happen soon. If we're to follow the track of the Strauss-How generational theory, the fourth turning, then it's going to happen this year. The conflict, is, it would need to happen this year. I don't, I'm not saying it will. I don't know. Maybe this will be the one time the theory is wrong. Well, I should put it this way. Strauss-Howe generational theory basically looks at cycles, 20-year cycles based on generations. Simply put, strong men make good times. Good times make weak men. Weak men make hard times. Hard times make strong men. You've heard it before. The American Revolution. 80 years later, what happened? The American Civil War. 80 years later, what happened? World Wars One and Two. And that went on for some time. 80 years later, here we are. Are we going to see a major conflict? And will it be fought with the most powerful weapons of the day? That's what they say. Biden is pumping money into chips. President Biden will sign the Chips and Science Act of 2022 on August 9th in a Rose Garden ceremony. White House said in a press statement Wednesday, a move that will flood 52.7 billion in funding to U.S. chip makers over five years. 
The bill should help companies like Intel and global foundries compete with Asian processor manufacturers like Taiwan Semiconductor Manufacturing Co., TSMC, Samsung in South Korea, and Semiconductor Manufacturing Corporation in China. Have you seen the price of gold lately? It's hitting all-time highs. And when it comes to investing in gold, check out Noble Gold Investments. They have a track record of excellence that's second to none. Just look at their thousands of five-star reviews on Trustpilot, Google, and the Better Business Bureau. Customers rave about their knowledgeable staff, smooth investment process, and life-changing results, which you can see for yourself online. That's the kind of reputation you can count on. But it's not just about the reviews. Noble Gold Investments truly care about their clients. They take the time to understand your unique needs and goals, and they give expert guidance every step of the way. That level of personalized service is rare in this industry. Look, when it comes to securing your financial future, you can't afford to take chances. Go with the gold company that has earned the trust of countless investors. Visit noblegoldinvestments.com slash Pool today and discover why Noble Gold Investments is the only choice for smart, secure gold investments. Or call them at 877-646-5347. Again, that's 877-646-5347. The bill is designed to help tech companies in the U.S. cut the enormous expense of chip manufacturing to help ensure a supply of the electronic brains that are critical to cars, computers, weapons, systems, dishwashers, toys, and just about any other product today that uses electricity. The extent of the U.S. reliance on those processors became clear over the last two years when a global chip shortage halted shipments of many of those products, harming businesses and forcing automakers to shut down car plants. Congress approved the measure last week with a 243 to 187 vote in the House of Representatives and a 64 to 33 vote in the Senate, largely with Democratic support, but also with some Republicans on board. The bill will supercharge our efforts to make semiconductors here in America. China. America's top geopolitical rival and the world's manufacturing leader has spent lavishly on a program to build its own native semiconductor industry. And many are concerned that the world's top chipmaker TSMC is headquartered on an island that China claims as its own territory, a concern that's grown after Russia invaded Ukraine despite international objections. Although the CHIPS Act is designed to boost U.S. chipmaking, TSMC remains important to U.S. manufacturing. Taiwan's central role in geopolitics was on display this week as Pelosi did her thing. Yeah, 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 we get it. We get it, we get it. Coincidence? A coincidence that Biden is going to be signing this bill and Pelosi heads over to Taiwan? Maybe she went in there and said, we're not going to be able to defend you. China is, is firing missiles over this nation now. They're surrounding it. Russia has vowed to protect them. And the U.S. may have been going over there to privately say, when the time comes, you will not have our support. I don't know. I don't have access to top secret information or confidential stuff or any of that war information stuff. I don't know. I don't know. But I can tell you this. We stand on the precipice, my friends, of something greater than just internal conflict. If this really does devolve one, at one, one, one by one, nations lining up against each other. If war, with Ta- if, if war with Taiwan breaks out, with you know China invading Taiwan, the U.S. defends them, then Russia says we are joining the side of China and starts supplying weapons. China starts supplying drones. All of a sudden, the Ukrainian war front explodes. We've got war in Eastern Europe and the Pacific theater. What happens then? Japan, Australia intervene immediately. 
on behalf of the U.S. going to war with China. China, obviously aided by Russia, will seek to find allies in other countries. You've got the BRICS countries. What will Brazil do? I don't know. But you've got India. You've got South Africa. It's hard to see them lining up with China, but they are BRICS nations. You've got Turkey. Where do these chips fall? I don't know if they'll fall in support of China and Russia, but how much do we really need? They've got nukes, baby, and Russia's got one of the most powerful ICBMs ever put into commission. So it doesn't matter, I think, if it's only Russia and China. It could be that Russia simply says, you will never win because we will nuke London before we allow you to stop us. Meanwhile, inside the United States, DOJ subpoenas White House counsel Pat Cipollone. This is crazy. This is a lawyer being subpoenaed by the DOJ. This country is falling apart. Do you believe that we can withstand an international conflict of this scale while inside this country, our, our DOJ has been weaponized and is ripping this country apart, spitting in everyone's faces with a smile on their own? Psychotic. Nancy Pelosi may have gone to Taiwan letting them know that the United States faces a controlled demolition and China will win. Good luck. It's the craziest thing. You can't tell me it's not on purpose when they say there's a food shortage, but then European nations tell their farmers to stop farming. Maybe they want to preserve fuel for the upcoming war. That's a possibility. You stop farmers from buying diesel. Less amount of the diesel supply is going to go to farming equipment and more is going to be available for militaristic operations. I don't know if that's actually going to be the case. I can just tell you this, man. Europe and the U.S. are imploding. Maybe. If Donald Trump, if, if in November Republicans win, they can put a stop to this. They can stop the insanity. That would require charging people. It would require inquiries and indictments. Maybe then Donald Trump wins. And we see the U.S. stick to being the U.S. Well, I don't believe in isolationism. Maybe the U.S. will actually come around to justifying defensive maneuvers to stop, say, China or Russia instead of proxy wars, World War Three, oil pipelines, etc. This is what they're thinking, or at least based on what I know. They're thinking that if the U.S. does not have unipolar power on this planet, China will take it. And it's only a matter of time before the U.S. is encircled and sanctioned and shuttered. And we're forced to live under the boot of communist China. I'm not happy with that idea. But that's our weakness, I suppose. A channel like this could, it, could not exist in China. They have to approve of it. They lock people up. They arrest them. At least that's what we think. I think we know enough about what's going on with the Uyghur Muslim camps. China denies. They say it's propaganda. The reality is in the United States, for all the problems we have with censorship, there still are dissenting voices. And there still is a constitution. And that's why we must defend it and protect it. And that's why this country is worth defending. Because the Constitution and the Bill of Rights, it's brilliant. Article 5 is coming close, my friends. Republican conservatives, I should say, are about 15 states away. I think there's like four more states need to have Republican legislatures. And then you will have a clear path to a convention of states to amend the Constitution. And the left is losing their mind. They're freaking out. 
They're saying the conservatives are going to totally gut and rewrite the Constitution, which is just not possible because states still have to ratify the Constitution. But if you got 38 states to propose amendments, what could happen? They're not going to ban guns. These 38 states are conservative. They're going to protect guns. They're probably going to institute limits on the federal government. I think it's a good thing. Maybe we need civil servant term limits. I don't know. It goes without saying that there are advantages to having a bureaucratic state because they can enact policies over a longer span of time than just a president. But the cons, I believe, currently outweigh the benefits. The cons are that we are we are being ruled by unelected bureaucrats. And therein lies the big problem. For us, if World War Three does erupt, there's no way we can handle it at this point. Not with insane people like Pelosi or Biden. I'll leave it there. Next segment is coming up at 8 p.m. over at youtube.com slash timcastirl. Thanks for hanging out, and I'll see you all then. So last night after Timcast IRL, we had the, the Arizona primary results up on the display, and it wasn't looking too good for Carrie Lake. And I was, I was surprised. I thought it was going to be a sweeping landslide victory. Uh, no, I thought she would do really well. And I'm looking at all these other states where they're, you know, like Masters wins. These Trump endorsed candidates are all winning. But Carrie Lake was behind by like four points. And I was like, what? How is that possible? She's got massive name recognition. She was a journalist in the state for, for decades. She is the Trump backed candidate. She's got everything in the mix to win this handily. Well, Carrie Lake has declared victory. Now that she is up about what 1.8 percentage points. So I go to bed, I wake up, I take a look at NPR, and boom, there she is in, in the lead, set to win. Now, they're not projecting her win yet. I should say the news outlets and, and electioneers or, or whatever the word is for the people who tabulate this stuff. But they are saying that she has secured enough votes, and based on the remaining districts, it seems extremely unlikely she will lose. Still, the media is saying Trump-backed Carrie Lake prematurely declares victory in Arizona, uh, in the Arizona Republican governor primary. And they're saying the move is dangerous because who knows what's going to happen? Yeah. Of all the counties that have come in, Maricopa is the one that's swinging for the other lady. And look, I'm not from Arizona. I don't know what people want in the state. They don't live there. I know Carrie Lake. She's come on the show several times. I think she's fantastic. I, I, I respect her positions on, on uh, solving the border crisis. Apparently, even now, Joe Biden does. And that's got to mean something. Joe Biden wants to go and repair parts of the wall, fill the gaps. OK, well, if he's coming out now and saying that and they got a problem up in D.C. and New York with these illegal immigrants, maybe Carrie Lake was right about that. As for everything else, you know, look, the people of Arizona need to decide. And it looks like they're deciding on Carrie Lake. Of course, the media is saying it's premature. We have other big news. Trump-backed candidates are sweeping. We've got this from the Detroit News. Trump-backed Gibbs ousts Meyer in Michigan GOP race for Congress. Ah, yes, those impeachment Republicans are getting purged. Oh, you love to see it. Yeah, all of these Republicans that were like, I'm going to vote for impeachment, they're out. Okay, now I don't think all of them are out, but they're all getting knocked down. Here's the best part. This was actually Democrats' plan. No joke, this was their plan. They wanted John Gibbs to win. They think that because John Gibbs is backed by Trump, he will lose a general. I don't think so. What you, it's, it's really simple math, ladies and gentlemen. First and foremost, 
I will say this as we move forward. Every single person looking at the news, the misery index, the Democrats losing, Kerry Lake presumably winning. You don't stop when the enemy is in retreat. You advance and you take the battleground. If they are expected to lose Congress by 30 to 40 seats, now is the time to advance, to yell charge, to call up every friend you have, every family member and say, we are going to vote in November. Because I will tell you this, everything is lining up to tell you now is your chance. Take the opportunity and don't don't sit back thinking you got this. Well, my point is the Democrats think propping up Trump candidates is going to help them. It's, it's insane to me. People are going to vote for a ham sandwich over these failed policies. But the best part is when you take a look at the Arizona primary results, you can see there are more people voting in the Republican primaries. I mean, just simply put in the governor's race, you've got uh, are they giving us the total here? They're not giving us the total. Um, We need some simple math. You got about four hundred and fifty seven thousand votes in the Democrat primary. In the Republican primary, you're over six hundred thousand. Simply put, Republican turnout is through the roof. If you put money behind Trump candidates when the elections are showing that primary turnout is through the roof, what do you think is going to happen in November? Now, maybe, you know, uh, you know, in this instance, Mark Kelly, for instance, he's running unopposed. He's the Democratic nominee for reelection. Maybe it's hard. It's hard to tell in that capacity. But when you look at the governor race, you can see the Democrats did not turn out. Or maybe here's what they're saying. This is the trick. They're saying Democrats are secretly voting for Republicans so that Carrie Lake is the candidate and then she can't possibly win. They're saying Katie Hobbs is way up. Okay, well, look at this. Katie Hobbs got 350,000 votes. Carrie Lake's got 294,000 with uh, uh, 79.6 votes counted. To Katie Hobbs is 77.8. That's comparable there. More people turned out for the Republican primary than the Democrat. Now, you expect me to believe that's because Democrat primary voters jumped over to the Republican primary? I don't buy it. I do not buy it. Let's read this story, though, and see what's going on. But first, my friends, before we get started, head over to TimCast.com, become a member to support our work, and you will get access to exclusive segments from the Timcast IRL uncensored after show. You can see that we've got the breaking news. Missouri Attorney General Eric Schmidt is the projected winner of the Republican primary election. A lot of a lot, lot of primary news coming in. But uh, if you want to support our work and get access to our shows, go to Timcast.com, become a member and smash that like button. Subscribe to this channel. Share the show if you really like it. Here's the story from Mediaite. Carrie Lake is the Trump backed and election denying GOP candidate running for Arizona governor. And true to form, prematurely declared victory Wednesday morning before all the votes were counted. Come on. It's just a stupid article to write. Here's, here's what I don't like. This is an opinion piece. What they should write is the facts. Carrie Lake declares victory in Arizona. That's it. Prematurely. That's an opinion. It literally is. The analysts looking at this information are just opinion people. Like, well, based on how many uh, votes are probably left and based on the leaning of these 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 areas in the polling, she might not lose. She might be right. OK, well, it's an opinion. They want to say. True to form, prematurely declared victory before all votes were counted. The former local news anchor turned Republican firebrand addressed a throng of her supporters at the 1 a.m. hour assembled at a Scottsdale hotel. And with less than 70 percent of the vote counted and nary a four figure lead 
had the temerity to say there is no path to victory for my opponent and we won this race, period. She then reiterated her pre- uh, preemptive and unsubstantiated claims of voter fraud, adding, but there's tons of problems with the system. You know, I got to say, I'm not a fan of the fraud narrative. I think it is voter suppression and y'all know that. But I do think Carrie Lake, I mean, this is, I'll tell you this, when, when she was down in the polls, uh, people were saying like, see, this proves it. How could all of the Trump endorsed candidates be doing so well and Carrie Lake be down? And I'm like, Carrie Lake is winning now. Now we'll see. But even Mediaite calling it premature admits that there's really no path for her opponent to win. Far be it from me to assert I know what's going to happen. I'll tell you that right now. Writing for the Arizona Republic, Stacey Barchenger, Barchanger reports, I wanted, quote, I wanted to come out tonight. I want to say, wow, we are, we already have the final results, but we know how our election systems work and they don't work well. And that's one of the reasons why I'm standing here. She cast a ballot. She cast a ballot shortage in Pinal County as, as something more than the results of unprecedented demand for in-person ballots. And county officials said earlier in the day, as county officials said earlier in the day, they knew we were going to have record turnout because we aren't going to take it anymore. One hour into voting, they ran out of ballots. What the hell is going on? What the hell is going on? This is why we're in this race. This is why we have this movement right here. I mean, that's what is she saying? They're acting like it's apocalyptic that Carrie Lake is like, why did they run out of ballots? That shouldn't have happened. Yes, that shouldn't have happened. Print more. Here we go. I love this. At the time of publishing this story, Lake has a slight but not significant lead over her opponent, Karen Taylor Robson. With 80% of the vote counted, she is up just over 10,000 votes, a lead which she seems a favorite to hold and win the race, though it is still statistically too close to call definitively. This is why her preemptive declaration of victory and flouting of election norms is seen as dangerous. No, people do this all the time. You know, they play this preemptive. Dude, people declare victory when it looks like they're going to win. Trump did not invent that. Neither did Carrie Lake, nor did Carrie Lake. They say while election result denying behavior of our political mentor, former President Donald Trump, is seen by so many as pernicious, as a pernicious action, that is causing serious harm to America's electoral system and democracy itself. Look, I actually kind of agree with that. I know I'm, like, I'm a fan of Carrie Lake. She's fantastic. I'm, uh, it was an honor and a privilege to have her on the show more than once. I respect her position on 2A. I respect her position on, uh, on, on the border. But I do believe the constant fraud narrative hinders voter turnout when you need to maximize it. Now, I will say right now, her lead is over 10,000. It's about 11,000 or so, just 11, that was like 11,200 and some odd. So it's giving her, uh, the the results are still cranking forward. And she's got about like a 1.7% lead. It depends on the source. I I saw 1.8 from a different source. Maybe they're rounding up, rounding down. It is not, right now, based on the amount of votes she has, based on the remaining jurisdictions and votes to come in, it does not seem likely Carrie Lake will lose. But 10,000 votes. She's pulled ahead. I'm glad to see it. We will see. We will see, my friends. Now, here's what I really, really want to get into. Trump-backed Gibbs ousts Meyer in Michigan GOP race for Congress. Oh, man. Here you go, ladies and gentlemen. From NBC News, July 27th, House Democrats, as well as some Republicans, are ripping into the Democratic Congressional Committee for airing a TV ad amplifying the right wing positions of GOP candidate John Gibbs. 
You did this. You helped them win the primary. Great. You know, the funny thing is they're thinking that come November, they're going to beat this guy. I don't. The misery index says they're going to lose basically everything. So I only need say, congratulations, Democrats. If the Trump candidates win in November and it's likely they will based on all of the polling, maybe they won't. I don't know. It'll be thanks to you. That's right. The Democrats who came out and were funding heavily their opponents. Now, Kerry Lake should have won decisively if that was the pattern, right? I mean, the De- what was it? The Democrats Governor Association was putting money into the Trump candidates. Were they not putting money into Kerry Lake? Should she have not won more definitively? Why are they coming out in the media saying Kerry Lake is losing? She was never going to win when it's supposedly their strategy to make sure that the MAGA candidates do win. You see, it's because they're full of it. Gibbs won because Gibbs was the preferred candidate. Carrie Lake is up in the polls right now because people prefer her, at least as far as we can see right now. Maybe that will change. The point is you can't play it both ways. Democrats coming out and being like, actually, the uh, the Trump candidates are winning because we want them to. (laughs) And Carrie Lake is going to lose. Sorry, I don't buy it. I think they were trying to get Carrie Lake's opponent to win. I don't think they want Carrie Lake to win. I think they don't want Trump candidates to win, period. And they're just, you know, the meme of the Wojak and he's crying. and He's wearing the mask with with the smiling, smirking face. That's them right now. Your strategy makes no sense. When all of the polling suggests Democrats will be routed, why would you fund these candidates? They're full of it. They come out and they say it's apocalyptic. And then they fund what they claim is the apocalypse. It is a political false flag brilliant. We have this tweet from this communist. <laughs> I don't know who this guy is, but he's got a, uh, a sickle and hammer in his, in his profile name. And he said, Democrats are actively helping fund the campaigns of far right candidates, including $425,000 in ads for a Trump endorsed Michigan House candidate and $1.2 million in ads for Trump backed Maryland governor candidate and telling their base it's a strategy to beat the GOP in November. Well, my understanding, it's not working. Right now, they want Carrie Lake to lose. Shouldn't they support her? I'm pretty sure that in Maryland, the Trump candidate, I don't think he won. I'm not sure. I could be wrong about this. Spare me your lies. Now, here's what I got to say. I love this one. I love this one from AZ Central. If Carrie Lake's dreams, uh, if Carrie Lake's dream came true, it would make Donald Trump unable to be president again. This one's actually really funny. If the Republican candidate for governor got her legally impossible wish to decertify the Arizona election and declare Trump the 2020 winner, it would prevent him from running in 2024. It's funny because it's technically true, but like not reality. Here's what I love about all this election stuff. These people come out and they're like, there's there's no legal path. It's legally impossible to decertify an election. What do you mean it's legally impossible? There's no law saying you can or can't. So it's just humans doing things. This is the amazing thing to me. This is what holds people back. Let me explain it to you. You want to learn how to succeed. You want to learn how to strive and survive and be the best, the very best and build a big company. It's simple. Stop thinking this way. People think in such rigid terms. If it's not been done, it can't be done. What? That's no, that's a first time for everything. I wonder why I have this, this, this worldview outside of these, these frameworks, thinking outside the box. Dude, just because it's not been done and just because it's not outlined, it doesn't mean it's impossible. It means precedent must be set. But there are people 
who look at the barren shores of North America and say, well, you can't possibly live there. There's no farms. It's like, yeah, bro, you got to go make the farms. You shape the world. You decide to. I'll put it. I'll give it to you this way. So I know a lot of people and they're like, I need a job. I say, why do you need a job? And they say, got to pay my bills. And I say, what do you need to pay your bills? And they're like, what? What do you need to pay your bills? Money. And how do you get money? A job. Wrong. You get money by convincing a person who has money to hand it to you. You know, when you think I I, I remember watching this video, there was a guy, he's like the human calculator. And he said the problem for kids is they're taught the numbers are one through 10 when you should be teaching them the numbers are zero through nine the single digits. And if you're taught math that way, it's really easy to calculate numbers. Like it's just it's fairly simple, right? I mean, the human brain is powerful. It should be able to do it. I tell people, look, if you enter this world thinking the only way to get money is to ask someone for a job, then you're going to be you're going to be left out. The reality is you make money by figuring out ways to get money from people. Now, there are legal rules like don't scam people. What I'm saying is, if you see a guy is holding a dollar bill, you go up to him and say, what do I got to do to convince you to give me that dollar bill? Maybe the guy wants a, uh, a high five. You know, maybe they want a hug. You know, just nobody loves me. And you say, let me give you a hug, buddy. It's like, wow, that feels really good. You know what? I'm going to give you this dollar. I don't know if you can legally buy or trade hugs. I don't know. It's probably fine. But uh, the point is, you pick up a rock and say, I've got a shiny rock and you've got a dollar. Would, you want to give me the give me the dollar for the rock? The guy might be like, why would I want that rock? And you can say... It's a pretty cool rock, isn't it? And the guy might be like, you know what? You're right. I do want your rock. It's really that simple. So when we talk about what Carrie Lake is trying to do, yeah, when Republicans take power, they'll be able to do literally whatever they want. They're like, there's, there's no legal framework for it. They'll make it. Duh. There was no legal framework for creating a new nation. That's the crazy thing to me. You'd think these drunk dudes got together and they're like, what's the legal rules for how we declare independence? I say drunk because uh, Ian was mentioning last night on IRL that they uh, there was a bar tab list for the night before, like, you know, they signed the declaration or whatever for the convention of states. And they had like 160 bottles of liquor between 60 people like, yo, that's like two bottles per person. More than that, it's almost three bottles a person. These guys were hammered. How they did not die of alcohol poisoning is beyond me. Maybe it was a lower percentage back then. But uh, these guys got wasted and they're like, you know what? I'm signing it. And then they declare independence or whatever. The crown was like, you can't do this. It's illegal. I'm not saying Carrie Lake is right. I don't like the fraud narrative. I, I got to tell you, it is it is really frustrating because what I want to hear. I like what Carrie Lake says when she's like, we're going to secure the border. I'm like, thank you. I like what she says when she says I'm for 2A. And I'm like, thank you. I don't care for the fraud stuff. You're not telling me anything. Look, I get the concerns and I want I want all of it to be investigated. I want people to feel safe and secure. I want confidence in our election system. And if it's not there, something is wrong. It has to be fixed. You can't ignore the problem. But I you can tell me that. Fine. I'm not going to cry about it. I'm going to say, okay, cool, cool, cool. But please, please, please just campaign on what you are going to do when you win. Are you going to go members of Congress? Are you going to go in and launch investigations into the illicit business dealings of the Biden family, Hunter Biden and and Joe Biden's involvement, things that may still be going on today that we think are? We need an inquiry into this. Joe Biden's cranking out money to to Ukraine. Now, we had Rick Santorum on. He said nothing that Biden's done has been impeachable. 
I reject that. I, I will challenge that. He's technically correct. But if it is true that Joe Biden enacted a quid pro quo previous to becoming president and now is passing favors to them by dumping money into their country, sounds suspect to me. I want an inquiry. I want an inquiry into Fauci and the CDC and they're flip flopping. Dr. Burks, what she's coming out and said about the vaccines. What? I want an inquiry. I want to hear that. So in this regard, I can respect it. Now that we're going to decertify, we're going to no, 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 hold your horses there. Tell me you're going to go in and restore confidence in the elections. You've got my support, okay? Because you're going to, we're going to clean up the voter rolls or do anything like that, fine. But Donald Trump needs to come out and say, the economy is bad. It is the Democrats' fault, and I'm going to fix it. That's what I want to hear. Because if I'm not hearing that, and all I hear is 2020, 2020, 2020, over and over again, I'm going to be like, yo, give me DeSantis. The one thing Trump has over DeSantis right now as to why I'd prefer him for 2024 is firing everybody. Please fire them all. I want to see it. Now, here's where it gets fun. Kansas votes to preserve abortion rights protection in its constitution. Really? In a red state? Things are going to get spicy. Do you know what bleeding Kansas is? Yeah. A red state. Going pro-choice. I don't know about all that. I'm going to imagine that we're getting dangerously close to some kind of bleeding Kansas phase. And it's funny that Kansas is the fractured state. A red state preserving a constitutional right to abortion seems very strange. But we'll see. I don't know, man. Maybe it's just fourth and fifth generational warfare. We're going to see, you know, we're going to see Antifa-style insurgency and we're going to get... Um, propaganda and things like that. I don't know. I just know that we are in for a heck of a ride in November, and I am so excited. We're going to have burgers on the grill. We'll probably, on uh, midterm election night, we'll probably do like an extended show of some sort. We're planning an IRL live event in Austin. It's going to be a whole lot of fun, and that's just before the election show, uh, election. So things will get particularly interesting. I'll leave it there. Next segment is coming up at 1 p.m. on this channel. Thanks for hanging out, and I will see you all then. A young pro-life teenager canvassing for pro-life causes was physically attacked, and the woman pictured here was arrested for misdemeanor assault. The story is interesting because of what's happening in Kansas. In Kansas, just the other day, big news. They have voted to protect their right to get abortions. Now, many people on the left are saying this is a red state. How did this happen? And it's a fairly good question. I don't know. Maybe the reality is that people in an overwhelmingly red state still are relatively pro-choice and that's the way things are going to be. Or maybe Democrats just came out in force. This should be a sign that things are not so predictable and we don't exactly know what's going to happen in November. But the reason I find this story so interesting and the fact this young teenage, uh, this young teenager who was a pro-life activist was attacked, the reason I find it interesting is because it's because of the idea of bleeding Kansas. And uh, of course, you know, I can't resist but talking about some kind of civil war or whatever the conflict is that we're in. Now, maybe things will never get as bad as civil war may uh, assume it would get. Like we're not going to see marching factions. We are in a culture war and maybe that's the extent. OK, I think it's very likely that we could fall into an overt and legit civil war. I feel like we're in one. It just may not ever look like like it did in the 1800s, back when communication was very different. And now we have means of propaganda and manipulation. And 
you know, things are all around just more subversive and sneakier. So look, far be it for me to predict the future. I think we're in a conflict. But many of you are probably familiar with Bleeding Kansas. Bleeding Kansas was basically the conflict happening. It was a state civil war that was happening in Kansas just before the actual civil war. I, I believe what happened was ultimately Kansas was admitted as a free state fighting in the union, you know, totally erupted. There was a civil war. So Bleeding Kansas technically never ended. Bleeding Kansas historically is marked as ending the moment the civil war began. So all that really happened was the conflict in Kansas expanded into a nationwide conflict. So it's kind of, I don't know what the right word is, ironic? Maybe ironic's not the right word. That Kansas, of all places, has this weird fracturing of a Republican-controlled state government with pro, pro-choice enshrinement in their, in their, uh, under the state Supreme Court. I find it particularly interesting, and I wonder if this could lead to a fracturing and chaos. Joe Biden is set to sign an executive order protecting women's rights to get uh, to travel state to state to get abortions. And I have to wonder if this could be a major catalyst for conflict. You have right now something very interesting, disparate political worldviews and one group denying personhood rights and another group trying to establish them right now. I think it's in Georgia. You can declare an embryo in your in your womb as a dependent. It's going the other direction as opposed to these states. In one state, they're saying it's not alive and you can just kill it. And another state, they're saying actually tax benefits for having a dependent. It's particularly interesting, isn't it? If this is the direction things are going and the bifurcation is just getting more and more intense, why would we not see some kind of extreme conflict? I mean, this is a hard moral issue. I often bring it up and we'll read the story. This is a brutal story. What happens if a, if, a, if a woman gets pregnant, flees the man, and then tries going to another state to have the baby terminated at eight months when the baby is viable? Like, okay, I, I know you've probably heard me give this scenario, but for those that haven't, because not everybody watches every video I do, so you know, forgive me if you've heard this. Man and woman hook up, woman gets pregnant. Eight months later, she says, I'm leaving you. Thinks to herself, if I have this baby, I'll be stuck with this guy. I'm going to Colorado. Maybe she lives in Texas. The man says, she's going to kill my baby. The baby's already viable, could be delivered, not killed. But she said, I don't care. If that baby lives, she's going to have to have some kind of tie with this man. So she goes to Colorado where there's no restrictions and says, terminate. What will the local governments do? Biden is going to protect it. He's going to be like, she's allowed to do it. Texas, what are they going to do? Send rangers to Colorado? Not going to happen. Unless it does. I mean, this idea that humans don't take action. They're like, well, the law doesn't prescribe our ability to do that. Dude, I don't think that matters. If the woman gave birth at eight months and the baby was alive and healthy and viable, living, and then she said, oh, no, and then she flees with the intent to kill that baby, would the federal government then intervene? Well, I mean, it could have been aborted. You see, these are hard moral questions. No, I think what will happen is you're going to end up with a father who's going to be like, nope. Let's read this story, and I'll tell you what's going on with Kansas and this abortion stuff. I hope you get raped. Kansas woman 37 is charged with assault after punching and abusing pro-life activist 18 who knocked on her door to canvas her vote. Grace Hart- Hartsock, 18, had been going door to door in Leewood, Johnson County when a woman became aggressive, allegedly screaming at her. The teenager who had been volunteering for pro-life organization Students for Life claims that initially a woman politely said, sorry, I don't think you want to talk to us. But after turning to leave, 
Hartsock, who returned to the door knocking on Monday, claims that she heard a second woman shouting and swearing inside the property. The second woman reportedly shouted, don't apologize to her mom before following Hartsock down the drive while berating her. Students for uh, students for life claim the woman shoved the teenager in the chest and began hitting her with closed fists until her mother told her to stop. Hartsock said it's unfathomable that the pro-choice movement claims to be pro-woman yet attacks women who don't agree with their narrative. It's not surprising to me that a person who advocates for violence in the womb wouldn't hesitate to attack a pro-life woman like myself. You know, look, the left likes to come out and say that uh, pro-lifers were bombing abortion clinics and all that stuff. And I'm like, yeah, that's terrible. The doctors were being killed. Horrifying. I'm not a fan of any of that stuff. Why would anyone want to support more violence and murder? That's not what's happening today. And uh, now we're seeing pro, pro, uh, pro-life pro pregnancy centers. I mean, they're not even necessarily pro-life. They're pregnancy crisis centers being firebombed, being vandalized, being destroyed. You think I'm going to be OK with that, you you lunatics? Dude, when you come to me and say that an abortion clinic was burned down and a dude was killed, I'm like, this is a bad thing. Like, we got it. We got We got to have this settled in law. We got to stop killing each other. I don't like abortion. OK, you can't do this. We need peaceful resolution. We don't want civil war. But now you've got people firebombing pregnancy centers that help women that give them like baby strollers and food. And you expect me to be like, that's a good thing. No, never going to happen. These people are hypocrites attacking this teenager. Dude, I had some religious fault. I am not a Christian. Uh, I am. I am. I'm not a fan of organized religion. And I had one day a few years ago, a bunch of people going, they were coming through my neighbor, they're knocking on doors and they were, you know, evangelizing for something. And I was like, thanks for coming. I appreciate it. I do. You know, it was Bill Maher who pointed out, for one, he's a staunch atheist. And he said that people tell him that they're going to pray for him and he's moved by it. He appreciates it. He doesn't think it means anything, but he knows what it means to them. And to them, it means they want to hit, they want to help him. They're trying to do something. I respect that. So when someone asks me if I want to join them for church or whatever, I'm not insulted by it. I'm flattered by it. I'm like, that you'd care about me that much to try and save my soul is deeply heartwarming. A person comes to my house and is pro-life and I'm going to be like, I, I, I respect and I understand what you're doing. I absolutely do. For a variety of moral reasons, I'm in the traditionally pro-choice camp. You know, it, it, and, it's, and it's rough. I just think there was... Um, there are circumstances where they tried passing laws that had uh, re- abortion restriction with no exception for rape. And I'm like, right there, you lost me. Sorry. Nah, I, I, nah. They put in. So a lot of these states like West Virginia said, OK, OK, we're going to have an exception for this. That's a compromise. I respect that because I know the pro-life side says it's not the innocent baby's fault as to how it was conceived. And I agree with that. But I don't think you can force a woman at the at government gunpoint to mandate you provide your life to another person, even if the person is innocent. If, if two people are walking down the street who don't know each other and a car rams both of them. And so the only thing they can do to save them is link their, their bloodstream together because like one dude's heart do- stops or something. I know it's a ridiculous hypothetical. The government can't be like, you are now forever attached to this person and be like, dude, I did not consent to this. I did nothing irresponsible. The government can't force it upon me. Now, I'm not a fan of elective abortion. But anyway, my point is, you come to my house, knock on the door, I'm going to be like, I appreciate it. You're probably not going to change my mind because there's hard moral questions as it pertains to government reach and what they're allowed to do. But uh, good luck. You know, really, I mean it. Good luck. 
Um, I don't think I'm the arbiter of morality. I don't think I have universal truths buried within my psyche. I just feel a certain way and I respect people who are standing up for what they believe in. And I actually, I really don't like abortion. I just, I don't know what, how you solve these deep moral and ethical questions pertaining to government authority and stuff like that. I understand and respect the opinions of, uh, uh, you say, like Matt Walsh or Ben Shapiro. I get it. I, had a, I, I always like bringing up the conversation I had with Glenn Beck because it was an incredible conversation. And ultimately, we're just like, all right, we're at an impasse. So there's compromise. They compromise on the issues of, of rape and stuff. And I'm like, you know, if that's what you, what you can get. I, I, I agree there. Incest, I don't know about. Like when they say rape and incest, I'm like, why? Now, if incest typically is rape, no, I get it. But the idea that like, I don't know, a, a 20-year-old woman and her dad have a kid, I'm like, I think it's wrong. I think it's very wrong. But should you kill the kid because of that? Mm. Now you're getting into eugenics territory. Because when they say like, well, there's a potential for birth defects, I'm like, I know it's not good. We don't like that. It's really nasty. But do you kill? You know, I'll tell you, I'll, I'll put it this way. I say it all the time. Life begins at conception. Anyone who says otherwise, they are lying to you. I'm just, I'm sorry. They, they, are, they are ignorant or they're lying. There's no, you, can, you can talk about ensoulment. You can talk about sentience. Fine. But not everything that is sentient or ensouled or however you want to describe it is dead. Like, or is, um, or let me put it this way. There are individuals who are comatose, who are alive, that we protect. So you can't argue like, well, they're, they're not conscious. They're not thinking. It's life. It's a unique set of DNA. It's cellular replication. It's life. Now, you want to have an argument about the moral and ethics of, of terminating that life? I mean, it's a serious question. Legitimate. There's a question of government authority and protecting of life versus responsibility of an individual to sustain a life, even if they did not consent to it. The problem I have with the whole thing is like elective abortion. Anyway, I digress. This woman gets attacked. I know I always get harping on it and I start going into these deep moral philosophical questions. But here we go. Daily Mail reports. Kansas voters block state legislature from expanding abortion restrictions. Almost 60% of citizens in Republican state reject bid to remove the right determinations in first referendum since Roe v. Wade was overturned. Let's, 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 let's break this down. A 2019 state Supreme Court decision declared that access to abortion is a fundamental right under the state's Bill of Rights, preventing a ban and potentially thwarting legislative efforts to enact new restrictions. Kansas residents voted to protect the right to get an abortion in their state, rejecting a measure that would have allowed their Republican-controlled legislature <clears throat> to tighten abortion restrictions or ban it outright. Voters in the majority GOP state rejected, by almost a 20-point margin, a proposed amendment to the Kansas Constitution that would have had added language stating that it does not grant the right to abortion. I don't know how that happens. Kansas party control. 1992 to 2022 from Ballotpedia. No Democrat trifectas, 16 years of Republican trifectas. It's interesting, huh? Take a look at this. From 2011 to 2018, Republicans held everything. And from 2019 to 2022, Republicans control the Senate, the House, but not the governorship. Now, maybe that's it. Maybe there's enough people hyper-concentrated in big cities to get Democrats to win at the state level. But in the Senate and the House, you don't have it. I mean, it, it simply put, each district may overwhelmingly be Republican, but Democrats are hyper-concentrated in urban areas, giving them 
some ability to elect a Democrat. I don't know. It doesn't really make sense. I got to be completely honest. It does not make sense. It could be simply put, Democrats are showing up in force on the issue of abortion. There you go. Democrats, they know they have very little to campaign on. But abortion's one of these issues. Republicans talking about the midterms, thinking they're going to sweep and it's going to be so easy. There's going to get a guaranteed victory. I got to tell you, man, you may be stunned. So I'll tell you right now, the fact that the pro-life side lost this in a red state. Well, people didn't come out, I guess. Look, you've got to get every single person, you know, to go vote. You got to get them to vote early. You got to get whatever it is. If your state's got early voting, mail-in voting, you need to be knocking on doors like this young woman. Now, these lunatics may attack you. I don't think it's extremely likely this young woman got punched, apparently. That lady got arrested. But no one ever said it was going to be easy. If you thought fighting for freedom would be easy, then you're wrong. No, it is always hard. It is hard fought. And, you know, outside of the issue of uh, abortion, because I, I'm, I don't want to get into the politics of what it really means. It's a difficult moral political issue. I'm talking about you fighting for what you believe in. It was always going to be hard. The formation of this country was not easy. The founding fathers, they, they did not believe they were going to win, but they sacrificed. They, 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 they stood to risk. They, they, they risked blood, treasure, sacred honor, but also the lives of their, of their wives, their mothers, their sons, their daughters, their brothers, their cousins, their aunts, their uncles, their grandparents. They knew that their entire family would be put at risk by signing those documents. What have you risked? I'm not saying you haven't. I'm saying think about that. Think about the risks you put every day. And you really do need to weigh what you find to be more important. And I mean this literally. I'm not saying you're not sacrificing. I'm saying for some people, you have too much to lose. I get it. I really do. I don't think everyone's going to be as strong as the founding fathers or willing to risk everything. I think some people are leaders and some people are, are followers. I am not trying to be condescending. I mean that literally. There are some people who say, let me stand in front of you and, and, and take the brunt of this so that you can live a better life. That's the point. If we were to always come out and say that everyone must stand on the front line, what's the point? Now, the point is that we stand up to protect those who are unable to do so for themselves. And there are some people who just don't have that ability, which means we need to, we need more leaders. Now, look, I don't know what's going to happen in Kansas. I wonder if this is, you know, a potentially bleeding Kansas scenario, maybe a modern version. Maybe it won't be bleeding. It'll just be hotly contested Kansas, a precursor to some kind of greater national conflict. Biden will sign executive order today, making it easier for women seeking abortions to travel between states for the procedure. I don't know exactly what an executive order will do. I think what Biden's trying to do is like, if you vote Democrat in November, we're doing something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Please. The Daily Mail reports. It is his second executive order aimed at protecting the right to an abortion after the Supreme Court overturned Roe v. Wade in June. Specifically, one of the directives Biden will issue on Wednesday will allow states to have not outlawed abortion to apply for specific Medicaid waivers that would, in effect, help them treat women who have traveled from out of state. The order will also call on health care providers 
to comply with federal non-discrimination laws and streamline the collection of key data and information on maternal health at the National Institutes of Health and the Center and the CDC. But its impact is expected to be limited in what it can do against the wave of anti-abortion laws being enacted in the states. That's what I'm saying. It doesn't do anything. Providing some funding. Okay, I, you know, I get it. It doesn't do anything. I mean, Texas can still call it abortion trafficking or whatever they want to, you know, whatever they want, they want to call it. Sure, you can go to another state. Don't come back, I guess. You know, what I, what I mean is like if these states have criminalized, you come back, they're going to arrest you. Now, I will tell you, you know, I've talked to Seamus Coglin of Freedom Tims quite a, quite a bit because he's very pro-life. And he said he doesn't want to criminalize the woman, um, you know, because that would be absurd. And I'm like, what do you think's going to happen, dude? You don't get to play the game. You're like, I'm sorry. If a woman is pregnant and she flees with the child, the law is clear. I mean, she's taking that child. If in Georgia you can declare an embryo as a dependent, then it's going to be murder if you choose to kill it arbitrarily, right? This is the direction we're going in. Personhood for the unborn. You see where this leads if the dominoes keep falling over? Now, maybe there's going to be a political solution to this. I don't see how when this is the way things are going. Kansas is about to light up. It's a majority GOP state. And they're pro-choice? Maybe. Maybe it's because Democrats are voting Republican. Like former Democrats have flipped parties, but they're still people like me. But I got to be honest, I would not have supported that provision. A constitutional guarantee to grant an abortion? I, no, we need legislative, not constitutional. We need the state to outline when and how the government is, is, is allowed to do these things, not just have the Constitution say so. So I wouldn't be in, in favor of... Um, a const- I'll put it this way. A Supreme Court ruling stating the Constitution guarantees that I don't think makes sense. I would agree with Republicans being like the Constitution does not grant this. It needs to go to the legislature. Now, the left, it's remarkable because, you know, we had a, a progressive on Timcast IRL who is pro-abortion. I'm pro-choice. Seamus is pro-life. And somehow I'm the one arguing with him. And he's like, you're right wing. And I'm like, bro, I'm pro-choice. You're just nuts. Abortion to the point of birth? That's insane to me. So you can't have a constitutional guarantee to abortion because then what's the limit? None. Well, you can't. You can't. The Constitution says it's guaranteed. Nah, nah, I'm not playing that game. I'm not. The Constitution needs to say, you know, this is not the case. Only because the Supreme Court tried to to pass that or in the legislature. And I got to tell you, this 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 referendum doesn't mean much. They can still pass legislative uh, law saying no to the Supreme Court. Supreme Court may strike it down again. I don't know, man. These battles are going to keep happening. And I think it's an issue of the legislature to decide what is legal and what isn't. And there are questions about the restrictions on uh, limitations of what, what a court can decide. It's not easy. I'm not going to pretend to have all the answers. What I can see here is it's getting nuts. This woman attacking this teenage girl, dude, don't do none of that. We don't, we don't need any of that. If someone comes to your door and knocks and you don't like what they have to say, you'd be like, you can go. I get texts all day, every day from Democrats asking for money. I just say, how many genders are there? And they stop texting me. Never a response ever again. And it's weird because I'm like, you can say as many as you want. You can answer the question. Nope. Nope. They know. There's no answer. Not even to the left. You can't, you, you can say, well, there's a spectrum. It's probably the best way out, I guess. So they just give up. I don't think things are heading in a positive direction, but November is going to be interesting, to say the least. I'll leave it there. Next segment's coming up at 4 p.m. over at YouTube.com slash Timcast. Uh, uh, t- over at YouTube.com slash Timcast. Thanks for hanging out, and I'll see you all then.